if you're going to live your core, your core values, which you're always just like vision, you always have a vision, even if your vision is not to have one. You always have core values, even if your commitment is not, you know, maybe flakiness is your number one core value is I'm just going to, <laughs> or, or fickleness or hedonism. Like, I'm just going to follow my own feelings. Like, that's my core value. And you could watch your life. Your life will reveal your core values. So, you know, to have a real core value conversation, I mean, most people relate to them um, in culture, like core values are a branding mechanism right? So they state their core values as for what they want to be known for, which is distinct from what have we, what decisions are we making now that will craft who we become? Do you have core values for your team? More importantly, do you use them as an operating agreement between you all? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-host and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There is no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I dive into a conversation about what core values are and how they form culture. Then we talk about two of our core values here at Take New Ground and how they shape the way that we are with each other. This is part one of a two-part episode. Next week, we'll drop the rest of the conversation talking about the remaining three of our core values. Let's jump in. Gentlemen, it's so good to be with you, Dan. We're so happy to have you back. It's so good to be back. The last time we did this without you, you were hanging out with Tony Robbins. Yeah, Tony and I are good friends like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys are... Kicking back a couple, couple of brewskis, just yeah. It feels like I've read, I've read everything he's written. So the I've never seen him really in person, and that was really worth it. A lot of fun, guys. He's a real pro, man. Really yeah. valuable. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, Adrian and I were lamenting to uh, a, a experienced uh, trainer of your caliber to watch somebody train something has got to be a really interesting experience. Uh, he's, he's, I picked up a lot of great things from just listening to him and watching him. He's a master and it was beautiful to watch him work as well as to participate and get value myself. So I think it's valuable if you're going to train, go do other people's training. At least I do one thing a year, at least just to sharpen the saw and, and jump in and, you know, really be, make yourself available to what they have to give. And I'll tell you, this was, I felt it was the best training experience I've had since 1978, when I first in the trains, really not including our trains. Oh no, not even close. No. <laughs> different worlds, though. Different, different. Well, it's just damn. Uh, pull your mic just a little bit closer to you. So you gotcha, gotcha. Now I'm up to build some personal. Yep, exactly. So, what was your what was your biggest takeaway from the experience? Make a move. Make uh, a move. Make a move. He. Uh, I did big takeaway. You know, I, I resisted going into to his events because I had judged him as too hypey, even though I liked his books. Yeah. And then the first thing he does when he gets up, he talks about what he's doing, why he's doing it. And it made a ton of sense, just if you have any background in just to, even though, you know, you don't have to have a deep background in neuroscience, but he's provoking state and he's asking you to join him and you get yourself in a state. And then when you take in information, it goes deeper into your nervous system. So I fully jumped in, and I, and he was absolutely correct. I, I it was a it's called business mastery, so it's all around mastering your business 
And of course, he has a tremendous background of experience with a network of high quality caliber business folks he brings on stage to teach different content. But um, all through the thing, he was revoking state. He'd say, like, you go for like 40 minutes or so studying some, like we did five hours one day on just reading a spreadsheet. And I thought, oh God, I better bring coffee and whatever else to keep me awake. And not a, no, it was the most, A, the guy who did it, this guy, Keith Cunningham, very, very interesting, kind of a, you know, a billionaire type guy with just really understands money and finance. And, and he went to the, and, and it was a, it was actually, I, when I was done the five hours, I was, I was energized, but every hour or so, you know, you get up, you acknowledge people and you, you know, you, you do this whole thing, you do a chant, you know, and, uh, it's like, it feels cheesy at first, but after a while you, you get into it and then you're there. And the most remarkable thing I, 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 every day was worth it. I was there five days, full days, right? Like nine in the morning till 12 at night. And, um, the thing that was most moving for me was about the third day, he he talked about some of giving back to the community. Part of the business is giving back to a community. He was sharing what he gives back to, right? And he's one of the producers on uh, um, Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom, yeah. And he had, and then there's another organization he worked with in Asia that he, I guess, the guy who founded it five years prior came through the same training, decided he's going to leave his work and go do this. He's in seven cities in Asia. I guess they've re- they've saved twenty eight thousand young girls, and he's he he went on a sting with them. But in a half hour, we raised two and a half million dollars from the people in the training, which I thought it was remarkable. And the way he did we, it, we put a we put a we put a million in from take your ground, right? That's right, absolutely. At least, so, yeah. It's like I'm actually headed to a sting right after this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, we're lying about our philanthropic now? Oh, that's oh, great. Oh, that's a part of our core values. That's part of our core <laughs> Lie. Always lie. Yep. You look, yeah. Looking good. <laughs> Looking good. When in doubt, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, friend, my friend went to law school and he, he said, I, I go, what'd you learn today in school? He would call me up. We were talking. And he goes, we weren't the three most important things. The law... There's something else about how to frame an argument. And uh, if you get stuck, blow smoke. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, let's blow some smoke. Adrian, that was like a that was like a real uh, funky transition there. So let's Thanks. just go for it. Thanks. I'm known for that. <laughs> um, so core values, this is what we want to talk about today. And, and I think this conversation, we're going to end up splitting into two episodes just because there's so much to talk about. We also want to talk about our core values, uh, what it is that um, make, it helps us make the decisions that we're making in our business and in our interactions with our clients. So that's where I want to start. Uh, when you guys think about core values, this is something that uh, I've been talking with my clients a lot more about and how these actually make a difference in what they're up to day to day and the decisions that they make and the way that they are with people. So we'll, first question is, I know it's a lot of people talk about core values and a lot of people talk about them being billboards or posters or, you know, that sort of thing, something that you have to have. And there's not a lot of operative uh, definition behind it, I don't think, or a way of uh, being with them. 
that's operative. So as you guys think about core values for yourself, what are they? What do you mean for us personally or? Just how do you, how do you relate? What are they? What do you think of them? Um, for, for me, they're, uh, they're the foundation of where one comes from. So I, you know, I can say I have a core value, but what reveals my core values are what I focus on and what I spend my time on. Uh, what matters to me is like, if I say something matters to me, it's going to show up in my everyday practices and disciplines. So if I say, you know, generosity is like, it's one of our core values. If that's, then I'm going to be generous, which has a lot with how am I going to be with my time? my presence, how am I, you know, am I living that, am I living that out? And so for me, it's more of a, it, it, it's where I come from and I can check in and see, God, was I generous there or was I stingy or uh, in survival? Or and, and if I was, how could I correct to get back on and come from what really matters to me? Which, so, this, so a value is something that if I live it, if I believe it's going to bring me the quality of life and meaning of life in life that's going to carry me through the most difficult times. It's going to help develop my character and it's going to be a grounding point for my relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said. I'll, I'll just add to all that. I think I'm, I'm in alignment with that. Um, it's also, you know, it, it's a truing mechanism as well, which you're alluding to Dan. And that's a phrase you actually use. Uh, which is a truing mechanism. It's like a, uh, or you could use it as a compass. It's mm -hmm. a filter. It's all these, there's all these metaphors that, that if you're going to live, if you're going to live your core, your core values, which you're always just like vision, you always have a vision, even if your vision is not to have one, you always have core values. Even if, even if your commitment is not, you know, maybe flakiness is your number one core value is I'm just going to, <laughs> or, or fickleness or, you know, hedonism. Like I'm just going to follow my own feelings. Like that's my core value. And you could watch your life. Your life will reveal your core values. Um, so, you know, to have a real core value conversation, I mean, most people relate to them, um, in culture, like core values are a branding mechanism, right? So they state their core values as for what they want to be known for, which is distinct from, from what have we, what decisions are we making now that will craft who we become? Yeah. Which is, I think, I think the most powerful core value, core value conversation is okay, what disciplines, which is one of the words you used, Dan, what disciplines are we going to have in our thinking and our feeling and our behaving that's going to generate the, the most, um, oh, uh, highest ROI for all of our thinking and feeling and doing? Um, and that's really, I think the, the most powerful way to approach core values is first off, do we want to be disciplined? Most folks don't. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a question to ask, like a, a pre question to ask is like, Hey, do we actually want to set up a framework by which we will think and feel and do and behave? Like, do we are in relate and all those things? Do we want to actually have this? Cause that's not to go. It's not, don't wander through that because otherwise you're just going to have a bullshit conversation that makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Um, instead of like, okay, I'm actually going to put myself through this, um, through this process by which we're actually going to discipline ourselves and give some constraints and we're going to decide 
how we're going to think and feel and do uh, together as a team. So uh, that's that's not it's not to go ignore it as if like that first principle is like actually do we want to operate by some principles beyond our hedonistic ego based natural machinery that everybody lives in. One of the things that I loved with our team when we set up our core values, the way that we set them up, the context of the conversation was not what do we think sounds really nice to have as attributes for our brand. It was right. the the whole setup was. How are we committed to being with each other? Like, what can I expect from you? And what can you expect from me as we navigate whatever the fuck we come up against in the future? We have no idea what that's going to be. So we, because we don't know the challenges, we better know how we're committed to being with each other in the challenge. Yeah. Well, you, you've been quite a champion for that. I mean, you've called us, I think you've called me up a couple of times just on being connected. Like, how is what we're doing going to, you know, like this didn't work for me. Dan, you said this and this is what came out or it would help me if you were more clear. Like just the last thing we talked about, we kind of in adjusting the budget, right? We did it kind of ad hoc and you brought that up. And I thought that was really valuable, right? That you do, yeah. because I was like, yeah, we kind of did. We just pulled this, kind of made changes without, really including you in the conversation. So when you said that, I was like all ears, like it shook me because it was not what I'm, you know, I'm committed to being connected. And if, yeah. it, and if, if we're disconnected and you're feeling like, like I was able to say what I thought and, but I could see when you put out what you saw, I was disconnected. Right. And, yeah. and like that was helpful for me. And I went, hmm, got to think these things out. Yeah. And it I was, involved people where before I just go make a decision or before Adrian and I make a decision, what's like, we, we think these things, we know this, but you constantly relearn it is who's going to get impacted from this decision. And how does that, how can we with present it and open up the conversation in a way that exemplifies or reveal kind of expresses our values. Right. Yeah. You, um, you naturally used a word that came to my mind first, Dan, which is the word impact. Yeah. So, and, and I think to connect with what you're saying, Chad, it's like, it's twofold. I mean, we always talk to leaders that their first customers are their teams. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you run a company, your first, your first customers are always your leadership team. And so like, what type of impact am I committed to make with my team? Number one. And then that also trickles out into what impact do we want to make with our, with our customers, paying customers and like shape that impact now. You know, like, what is that? Like, if I had an ideal environment in which I was playing, number one, and if I had an ideal impact on customers that would then event, I mean, there, if it, it's like hit the bar really high, like what type of impact would blow people's mind that they couldn't stop themselves from telling all their friends about it? Yeah. 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 You know, like that impact that is just a naturally evangelistic you know, sharing word of mouth, which always has fueled our business. 95% at least of our customers come from people who have been impacted by our work, by one of our trainings or our coaching or anything that they saw online. So what, if we shape that impact, I mean, that's the shape of the impact is the, are the core values. Like what will shape it? Because, mm -hmm. you know, content, you know, content wise, like what we're doing is always going to shift. Right. And we could, but I could have the same impact, even if I, you know, I could have, 
you know, I could tell somebody really bad news and it actually connects us. I could tell them great news and it connects us. Like, it's not like the content, but it's really, these are the, these are the ingredients in the context. That might be weird language for people that might be new to the podcast. It's the, what's, what's unspoken. Like what are, what are the beliefs? What are the conversations? Um, the whole framework of my, of how I am with someone, that's context. So the content will consistently shift. We're always shifting and experimenting. But when it comes to how we're with one another, we want this context, this belief system, these, these, the conversations, the feelings, thoughts, behaviors, all that, for that to be really intentional. Mm-hmm. When you talk about context, the other thing that comes up in my mind is a, a common language, right? So we can, we're going to go through these five words that we use for our core values, but there could be just as many people that are on the team, there could be that many definitions or meanings behind those words. So even beyond the word or the trait that we're using as our core value, there must be an agreement around, well, they're not, I don't know about must be, but that what's going to make them valuable is a common agreement of what this shit means. Like, what do we actually yeah. mean when we say genders? Yeah, well, then in nowadays, that's very important because there is an assault on the meaning of words. And so I think it's vital when you bring somebody on board that the terms are really clear about what we mean, whatever we say anything. And if yep. anything, that's probably, I think that's probably one of my biggest failures is just assuming that people see what I see or think what I'm thinking about whatever the value is or the vision. So checking in, best part of generosity is checking in to really make sure that what their thinking is on the same page and that we're, we're standing shoulder to shoulder. We're not, you know, disjointed. And then yeah. because big under, misunderstandings happen when two different understandings are operating and then both people are disappointed when they're not met. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's with some of these terms like generosity, I'll just start there because that's where we're going to start. This, it could be easy to assume that everybody thinks the same thing because it's such a, we've made it such a simple or foundational part of our language that, you know, oh, everybody's going to know what that means. But what does it mean for us? What does it mean for our team? Right. Let's, and let's just dive in. The first one, first trait for us, gener generous or generosity. This is one, the first core value that we've said uh, uh, dictates how we are with each other. There's, there are, I could see this in a couple of different ways. Like I, I could hear this and thinking about those who are listening, I could hear this and mean, I could hear this to mean, well, you just give away everything. That's generosity. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about a client that I was working with last week and in their culture, they have a, bro, a fast growing team right now. Currently they have a team of probably about 30 people, I think. And one of his struggles is managing his, the meetings on his calendar. And people could just, we've talked about this prior to the podcast, but people could just schedule a meeting on his calendar. They have a, there's a unwritten uh, agreement in their culture that if somebody asks for a meeting, you have to be a team player and to be committed, you have to say yes to that meeting, right? And that could look like generosity. Like, oh, I just give away everything. And uh, or the way that we've chosen to define generosity is very different than that. 
So I want to talk about this idea of generosity. If you guys, as you guys think about the type of generosity that governs our team, what do you think about Dan? You flip. You actually look like you have something to say. Well, you just go on with you. Well, you. I, I was going to start out by saying, look, what generosity isn't is giving everybody everything they ask for. But you, okay, you know, that, that that was going to be my opening statement. But you already covered that. I mean, it, you think about it. Generosity is the the avail how I make myself available to whatever I'm engaged in, to with whomever I'm with, right? So it might be generous of me to say that doesn't work for me. That you know what? I'm sorry, that's not going to work for me. Or the way you just treated me is going to work. You're going to condescend me. I'm I'm probably going to shut. I'm not going to be too interested in getting too engaged with you. Letting you know where I am. Like I I had a conversation with a a gal. About nine months ago, and she wanted to tell me everything that wasn't working for her. So I listened, and then I I, I acknowledged there were some things I could really relate to that she had spoken to me, and I I said, you know, we had this conversation before, and she said, no, we haven't. And I said to her, well, I have the notes from it, but I can I can see you didn't have it. But what doesn't work for me is that you're still living there, you're still living in that pla- that place, and to me. I, I, it was generous of her to say what she thought, and I, when I, I gave, I communicated back. She was like, "Well, you don't know the truth, and the truth meaning my point of view." So I just, you know, I said, "Well, why don't you send me some, send me the truth, send me what your truth is." Mm. But I, I, I was, I, I was thinking, "Well, okay, good. I want to hear your truth, and I'm going to let you, you know, are you interested in mine?" But she wasn't. But I found it, I found it rewarding. To listen to hers, and to me, that's generosity. I want to know where she is now. From that, I can choose how I want to engage from then on. Because if the truth is only going to be one-sided, I don't know how. I don't think it's generous for me to inauthentically participate if I have a completely different view and it's not going to be heard. Right? The generosity would be to let her know what works for me, what doesn't work for me, what she can expect from me, like that. That, like, I'm opening up who I am, where I'm at. Now, if that's not received, then I may not, you know, I move on, shake the dust, that kind of thing. That can be as generous as anything else. Like, to me, in my mind, that is the heart of generosity, that I'm willing to speak what's there. And if there's no room to be heard, it's generous. I don't have to say what I have to say. But I, can, I don't have to be heard. That takes generosity, too. Like, not having to be heard could be a generous act. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are. It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. 
Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, requiring somebody's um, compliance or attention, that's a, you know, if we, we put giving and taking as, let's say, ends of the continuum here, you know, like yeah, requiring someone to agree with you is a pretty taking mentality. Um, and when I think about generous, I think of, and we, we do an, we do a exercise and, and our four day leadership training called giving and taking, which is the feedback exercise around, around what the, what your impact has been over the, those first three days in the training and, and what do people experience you as a giver or a taker, someone that is giving or taking. And so when I think about generosity, uh, I think you summarized it really well, just adding a couple points here. It's like, am I... We, I think naturally around, uh, really presence, yeah. you know, if we think of it on a granular level, like when you call a team meeting, are people there to give or are people there to get, mm. you know, that's like a pretty, it's an interesting question. Most leaders aren't asking themselves that number one, most leaders are definitely not setting the bar in their company for how to show up to a meeting. Because most people are there because they have to be there, or they're there to get something done, or and and the, you know none of those are are wrong per se. Because it's good to go get something done, but am I actually there just for myself? And am I like not listening and doing fifteen other things on the side until it's my turn to talk? Or am I actually there to connect with people and give generosity of my own presence? Like, and by presence I mean engagement. Mm-hmm. Like, am I really fully there? And that that will cover a whole bunch of issues. You know, if I, if people are like to be fully engaged, um, and, and full participation, you know, like that, that's going to cover a whole bunch of sin, right? It's like, it's going to drag things to the surface. If you're generous, it's yeah. going to bring things to the surface. You never knew were there. You might not even wanted to hear, but the generosities will probably bring things to the surface that are going to be necessary to, you know, to, Bring the next level of abundance to you, right? And yeah, at least the very least, a connection with the people that are there. That's right. Well, things you don't want to hear and things you don't want to say. I, yeah. I know this for me. This this value of our team has driven me to to have conversations that I didn't really want to have. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was like my first choice to just go after this conversation. Right? I just want to give you permission. And next time you have that feeling with me, you can go ahead and not have it. I always do. Don't <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you twist. You twisted that one off. You got gotcha you at the end there. Got gotcha you at the end. <laughs> you have got me at the end there. Uh, yeah, definition that I just pulled up uh, around generosity is showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. Uh, right. And that position of being ready. I'm here. I'm ready to give what's 
what's available. And Adrian, as you talk about giving and taking, I know uh, I'm never one way all the time on a single meeting. It's like moment to moment, right? And that's even the context of what how we do it in the in the training. It's like this: we are just we're evaluating this moment right now because I'll go in and out of giving and taking. 50 times in an hour uh, uh, meeting with our team, you know, and mm-hmm. and observing and and hopefully the pendulum swinging more towards giving, <laughs> more weighted towards giving than taking uh, yeah. as, as I practice. Um, but yeah, so I love, I love that you brought giving up, yeah, brought up giving and taking. Yeah. Well, it's really, it's, um, it's going to get back to the spirit of things because like sharing Speaking in a meeting might be a way to give or speaking in a meeting might be a way to take and listening, asking a question might be a way to give or asking a question might be a way to take. Right. So it gets down to this, uh, as Dan alluded to core values being like a source. Right. So where where am I coming from? And uh, we always want to we're committed to coming from a place of generosity. Like I'm here for the person, whoever I'm with, I'm here for them. And it, like it, 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 uh, it flies into or is a part of our advocacy stance. You know, we talk about ourselves as coaches and trainers as fierce advocates for people. So that's for them. And, and if, if I'm operating in some kind of unquestioned bias, like I know who this guy is or I know who this person is, then I'm not, I can't, there's no possibility of being generous because I'm just, I'm relating to them like a tool. And they're a tool to me, they're an object. And obviously I'm better than an object. So I'm here. To, to get either my needs met or to utilize them or to manipulate them to get my, to get my agenda. Um, nothing wrong with having an agenda. It's just good to be clear about it and also to listen for what's going on for the other person so we can actually be with them, which you know requires a, a you're coming from a spot of generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more life here, by the way. If anybody's struggling and feeling like things aren't working out or feeling stuck, it's probably because you're spending 90% of your time looking in the mirror. Yeah. Like thinking about yourself, right? So keeping score. Yeah. Well, life becomes so much more interesting when you're reminded that there's other humans around. There are. It Well, okay. it's more interesting or more irritating. It depends yeah. on where you come from, right? Yes. I've had both. Yeah. Well, the most generous thing might be to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and let somebody go, leave the team, leave the company, go find, you know, it's like that, that's could be the most generous thing. Instead of being a martyr, like I can prone to do is hold on to something much longer or kind of carry the weight or like be the person or be the sacrificial, whatever person. That's not that generous. No, because you're going to get bitter if you're really, if it's not true for you. If you're selling out, you're going to get bitter and angry and resentful. And that's going to take a toll on the connection or lack thereof. Besides the fact you're probably sticking around to save things. And that's, once again, not a generous position. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Well, I say save things to be the savior. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Number two, accountable. And um, this is this is an interesting one, especially in the conversations, a lot of conversations we have with our clients, conversations we have with teams where people want to hold each other accountable uh, and have this uh, calling out culture, as I would say, uh, as most people put it in the context of accountability, they talk about calling each other out. It's so interesting. This is a very different uh, meaning of accountable than what we have. 
So as you as you guys hear me name that next uh, core value, countable, what comes to mind? Well, to give an account, like I'm compelled to give an account. It's something I'm up for and want to do because it's part of answering the challenge of overcoming whatever's between us and what we said matters to us as a team. So I give an account so I can transform and become what's wanted and needed to produce what we said we're committed to produce. Now, the, the crazy thing about this is you can tell when somebody's not willing to give an account. And you can tell when accountability is something that's external, not internal. In other words, we I, I hold the account of the, that value as something I get to do and that in doing it, I'm going to become, you know, I'm going to transform in the process of doing it. And so is the team. Now, language that would indicate otherwise is, oh, like if you work with a team and you start doing something and the language comes back, what are they going to use this for? Right? It, it's like to give an account is a proactive stand. It's not a reactive stand. Yeah. So if I was in, if I was going to give an account and I was doing this, and I had the thought that this was going to be used against me, I would probably go and speak to whomever I thought might be using it again, might use it against me, and confess what and give an account for what, where that came from. Not only do I have this suspicion, but where did this suspicion come from? What have I not? What have I withheld? What have I not noticed? What it is now becoming aware? Am I becoming aware of that could deepen my relationship with whomever this might be with, whether it's you or, uh, you know, Adrian or Eileen or, you know, Liz, somebody on the team. That's an act of generous, being accountable is an act of generosity because I want to give it for the benefit of what we're doing, right? And I think that's the key, knowing why I'm giving an account. You know, I'm not giving an account to make you wrong. I'm not giving an account to make me wrong. I'm giving an account to learn what worked and what didn't work and what I can provide from there on that will make a difference. Oh, I hope people listening to this can really grasp this concept because this is something, A, this is something that I learned from being on this team and it has completely transformed my life. The idea of accountability either being external or internal or active or proactive or reactive is has has changed the possibility that's available for me with you guys, with my with my family, with my friends. It is I just my hope is that people listening to this can compute this and start to apply it because it's it's a totally different frame to be accountable, to show up accountable internally and want to, like you talked about that, I'm excited to account for what's over here in my quarter, what's going on for me, the results that I'm producing or not producing. That's an exciting adventure for me now. It used to be, oh shit, am I going to be held accountable? It's the only thing that brings meaning to the process. That's how I break up my, the tool. If I hold myself as a tool, what will break up the toolness is accounting for where what worked, what didn't work. Not just the symptom, not just mm -hmm. the result, but what's behind the result, what's behind the actions. What was I aiming at? What was my purpose, right? Those things, when those things get clear, 
it's exciting because I, I, everything becomes new when I start making those shifts. And that's right. And the accomplishment of overcoming the obstacle is in of in and of itself a benefit. It's a, a reward for accounting, right? That yeah. me. That's, but that's the and from, and from that frame, you and everybody else on the team look like comrades, and rather than than uh, you know somebody got to protect from. Sure. Enemies, allies versus enemies. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'll i give my two cents on this. I actually just thinking about a, a call with a client this morning. And you can imagine like on in coaching calls, we're really inviting people to give an account. And with this guy in particular, there's a big project that he's working on, huge dollar signs at the back end of it. And I was just noticing how laissez-faire, like kind of passive he is in the kind of very political environment of the thing that's happening. This political in the sense that like, you know, there's different power struggles and and he's making a move. And but he's very passive about it. So I was just inviting him to give an account about first off, did he notice that? And I could be wrong about it, but do you notice that? And I just asked like, what fears do you think are behind this passivity? And he's like, I don't have any fears, but I said, okay, well, all right. What maybe what concerns are behind this. It is like, I don't, I don't see any concerns. And, and so I asked a few other questions to get to it because I know that fear is running him. I know it. How, how do you know that? I mean, what told you that? Because, because of his activity. Yeah. The yeah. Or his doing his behavior. His in, yeah. Yeah. His inactivity. And then how he spoke about it as well. So I could watch his behavior. That would tell me enough to ask the question, but I could also watch his mood because I see as an outside guy that's advocating for him, this could be massive, massive for him, for his family, for the firm, for everything that he's doing. And yet his way of engaging is telling me that there's some concerns that I know he doesn't have language for um, because he's not bringing them up, right? Because he would, because there's a tension in it for him that he doesn't have language for. So it's, so it's like, it, it seems like it's not there. It's just there like, like the temperature in the room. You know, it's like it's, it's an environment of being really um, if we if I were to get nerdy about it, there's an environment of being that he and he's passive about it, but he's not getting to the root issues, which is what what are fears and what are the concerns that are actually fueling this passivity? Um, so I'm inviting him to give an account. And by the end of it, he took he, he made a commitment to make it to take a big action. And now we'll see if he does or not. Um, but at least, but you know, it, he wasn't, he wasn't taking the action and he had to like get connected to what was really going on for him. So part of accounting, it's, it, it can be most people when they think about, about, um, accountability, they think results. So, so like, what are the, you know, predictions and then the results like that? It, but to your point, Dan, which is we're getting to the deeper, um, the conversations and the concerns and the interests that are fueling our activity or our, pardon me, or our lack of activity. Cause I'm, I, when I think about this accounting as well, um, it's really choosing to be rigorous about reality. That's great. And that's, and that's, I see that in two ways. So one is living as if my vision is true. Like I'm actually committed to my vision. If I'm committed to my vision, I want to keep that in focus all the time. Like that that's real right on the tip of my tongue. It's right there. So I'm already, I'm, I'm living in that future. 
like I'm, I'm, you know, what we would say is like, a, this would be nerdy for folks, but I'm standing in the future looking back on what's happening now. So I, I have a clean sense of the future that I say I'm committed to and a clean sense of what's actually happening, not the well-packaged and excused or justified version of reality now, but like really what's happening. Can I actually account for occurrence? Like what is true now? From the from what I say I'm committed to. So when I say when I we say like giving an account, it's being willing to be rigorous about those you know about that reality. And mm. you know when when we don't, right? right? Whenever especially when things are going sideways, people wait. Uh, people including Adrian, I want to wait until things get a little bit better, and I'll give an account when I got a better story to share. But that's always there. Are, there are penalties and interests that I'll pay, and everybody else will pay if I don't get to the issues sooner. So, like a willingness to give an account of where things are in this moment, especially when things are small. You know, like when, where are things going just a little bit sideways right now, and can I? Am I willing to voice that and put that out to the team so that more resources can come, more ideas can come, fresh, you know, fresh attitude can come? Because if I'm stuck on something. Um, you know, I'm going to stay stuck on something until something happens, but there's nothing more invigorating than a confession. Like, hey, I'm struggling. Well, you didn't, and you, what you're talking about is, you, know, you talked about what, what one of the best, what did I get from Tony Robbins? One of the things he hit home on, and it's one of our values, is the way of being, right? He, he called it state. Yeah. And, he, you know, he, he said, look, and we've used this distinction with other language where he says state, story, uh, Activity. Strategy. 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 Mm -hmm. And and so, and if you get those mixed up, it messes it up. Like, you need strategy, but you need it in its right order. And that's the same thing with accountability. If you give an account because you get what is at stake, like you're in a state of, uh, you're at stake in a way that you're willing to do whatever it takes because you have a sense of, and you want to stay connected to, not only the reward of the accomplishment, but the impact of it not being accomplished or the impact of the failure. Like what's at stake in this meeting? What, why, what's my purpose here? How does it contribute to what I'm ultimately about? And what's at stake if it doesn't occur? And that takes, that's part of accounting is really assessing the, the parade of horribles that could come to my town if I don't account and figure and and open up, get other eyes on what's wanted and needed. So we have this turnout, right? With that kind of urgency, you know, in my experience, a lot of times when my I've been on teams when they fail or they 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 Twitter and fall apart, is it's more about keeping each other comfortable than it is about winning, than it is about having it turn out. Then and that the potential upset is if I don't see the value in navigating and risking the potential upset, I will avoid it. If I value, meaning I get what's connected. Like if this continues this way, what's coming down the pipe? The more I see that, the more motivated I am to have the difficult conversations. And giving it account as being connected to all the strategies I use to not experience that because it disturbs me. It breaks my comfort state, right? And so getting in a state where I want to be disturbed, where I'm open to it and welcoming it, 
is part of accounting in my experience. Like, okay, let's do it. We're gonna we're gonna get stirred up here. Yeah. Well, well, you, well, I, oh, go ahead, Adrian. I was just gonna say, like for each of you in separate conversations, um, you know, in the last month or so, I've come to you guys and say, Wow, I feel like I'm in a funk. You know, yeah. like with some personal changes in my life and lots of logistical issues with with um in my personal life and it's like wow i found myself really disoriented distracted like i haven't like felt my own mojo and i you know i'd prefer to wake up in the morning freaking stoked and on point and i just haven't felt that way and and so what i mean so number one is so what um okay and am i going to suffer in silence i use that kind of i don't know quotes suffer in silence uh, or am I going to bring this because I'm I'm feeling that way and then I feel shame about feeling that way, you know, and then I can like just do that and kind of hold on hoping other people don't notice or I can just start, you know, vocalizing, hey, this is what's going on for me. Nothing necessarily wrong with it. Maybe it's necessary. It's definitely natural with the type of uh, personal transformation that's happening in my own world. Um, and there's a lot going on. And actually, I put more air in the room when I break up the break up the privacy of my own experience. You know, I I I, I uh, invite other people into what's really going on for me instead of just like having an experience and hoping other people don't notice if it's like a quote unquote negative thing. Yeah, so that's part of me like giving an account like, oh, wow, I'm feeling like I'm in a funk. It's also yeah. generous. It's also generous because you're giving. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're breaking up the privacy of your own experience. I, I, I mean, I we'll, have we'll, to. we'll coin that one. That's a T-shirt. Yep. This is just me breaking up the privacy of my own. <laughs> but you know, I I saw I, I we were taking that plunge, the cold plunge, and I asked you how you're doing because I I could tell, I could just tell I could see when you're in it, and you were so generous because you opened up, and it was interesting because you opened up a little, and a few minutes later you went, you know, and you went right back to the conversation. And you got really open and. I was like, yep. yeah, great. I'm freezing in this water, and now you're opening up. <laughs> I can't hear a damn thing you're saying because I'm sitting in 45-degree water. <laughs> so yeah. I tell those listening, we haven't thought about these at all. I mean, these are right. just things that Random. we really kind of threw together. We needed a poster for the office, and so uh, <laughs> no, this is the reason I knew we'd want to break this into a couple episodes. So I'm going to break it here. And the next episode that's going to be released is going to be part two that has the final three attributes or the three final three core values for our team. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.